Welcome to Coffee Science and Guru. Today, your host is Josh Robertson, and for the science portion, I have Dr. Adam Carr. Hello. And for our coffee guru himself, Julian Britton. Hello again. And welcome back, everyone. It has been a while since we last posted. There has been much ado uh, in Seven Miles with a lot of projects underway. Uh, but we've managed to get back together again to talk about what matters to us. Mm. So, with the industry going the way it is, telemetry is now becoming a big thing. Uh, we wanted to find out what sort of opportunities for the espresso industry does telemetry now create for people? What's your thoughts on telemetry and consistency? How does consistency as a word um, tie in with telemetry? Uh, I know we're doing about words. I think probably worth defining what telemetry is because Fair I think enough. for a lot of people it's a, it's a bit of a mystery. So. Telemetry typically refers to, well, the way we use it, I suppose, um, is it's basically the data that we obtain um, from the, I guess, the, the coffee-making process. So it's, it's, not, it's not especially new you know, in the world. Obviously, I mean, Julie might be able to give us a bit of background on that. But um, in terms of data in espresso windows, we've recently, or in espresso in, in cafes, we've recently started installing... Uh, devices that have been manufactured by by Flow, a New Zealand startup, um, that give us uh, access to how close to a, a, a recipe um, our baristas pulling shots in a cafe, um, and typically it reads out to us in a percentage. Um, so, in other words, how you know where 100% is a perfect shot, for example, you know a certain mass out in a certain time um, with a certain dose that we put in the coffee uh, in the uh, in the portafilter basket. Mm. Um, we determine how close to, to that recipe it, it was. So, like 85% is typically a very good score, 85 to 100%, obviously. 60% um, pretty much average for people that don't have telemetry systems uh, in their cafes. Um, and obviously, anything lower than that, it's, it's quite a poor shot, too, too far off recipe, which we would use, by the way, recipe we would say as an approximator of taste. How, how did we come across that data of 60% is generally what baristas are outputting? Well, as soon as we put the, the tool into most cafes, we find that most good cafes are pulling about 60% shots. That's just yeah, what right. we find. Yep. Um, our, our own espresso window is about 60%. Um, what do you actually mean by 60%? Uh, so the, the, the specific measure, uh, metric, I guess, you know, is basically, for example, it's normally people miss on time, if that makes sense. So the shot ran short or ran long. So 100% being a perfect score. Correct. So, for example, if 25, if we want the shot to run in 25 seconds, uh, if it actually ran in 27 seconds, that's a two seconds off. So two seconds divided by 25 seconds gives you a fraction. Oh, right. And that fraction multiplied by 100 gives you the percentage off. Um, so obviously 50% off recipe would be a shot, say, I don't know, what's half of 25? Half 25, 12.5. No, sorry, 12.5. Yeah, 12. so 12.5 <laughs> seconds, or I guess, uh, you know, or, or 40, you know. So if it ran to about that, as you can tell, it's very, very far off what the recipe would be. That would be a 50% to recipe. Uh, and on average, people are only pulling to 60 to 70%, um, typically 60%, which is which is surprising. Even today. Mm. Mm. And that's the thing. Even with, I mean, certain machines can, can help with that. For example, the Lumazoc with the ABR scales, it's harder. Yeah. Well, actually, it's not, that's not quite true. It's... it's Hard to miss on mass yeah. with an ABR sort of system inside there, but it's just as easy, just as um, easy to miss on time. Yeah. So okay. we'll always pull a certain amount of, you know, certain grammage out. Um, but you know, you can still have channeling. You can still have a coffee that's too fine or too coarse, and it can well, you know, run way outside of the parameters for the for the recipe. Mm. Um, so that's what we mean by the percentage off perfection. Right. Um, the tool that we have also can determine how much, how far off it is on uh, mils or by grams. 
Um, although, again, typically the, the sites that we install to, they run to, they either have flow control through a, well, a flow, a flow controller, yeah. um, or a, um, the, the timer, sorry, what's the word? Rotor, rotometer, the rotometer in there tells them how much it's, and it cuts off at a certain certain number of pulses. Right. So normally, it's very rare for it to miss significantly on, like on mass. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on time, it's that's the big one that it changes. Yeah. So. I, I know with alarms, like they've got that drip prediction software. Yeah, it works put in. really well. Yeah. It works really well. And that, um, that's based on their mass, or is that also based on their volumetric? Well, well I mass? mean, it's it's going to be based on them pulling fat tens of thousands of shots. Yeah. Um, and finding out precisely, you know, it's basically predicting once it shuts off within a certain range. You know, there'll be a number of ranges, by the way. Get. Um, within that range, we should cut off one second early because an extra two grams flows, and they'll have, they'll have that model yep. built into the machine across a whole range of different time shots. Yeah. That's Can really I come impressive. In here for a second, huh? yeah. Yeah, 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 there was a terrible moment in time, probably lasting about ten years, in between manual operation or manual filling and uh, mm. pulling of group handles, uh, pull of levers, and that sort of thing, when the timing device came in. Yeah. Um, before volumetric control and uh, mm. and so on, and that entirely depended upon the the actual fineness or coarseness of the grind. Yes. Uh, the the amount of tamping that went on, the mm. amount of coffee that was put in the basket, and it was hell on wheels, mm. and nobody could make that work. Right. Uh, so uh, it was a it was a it was a happy day when that finally disappeared from the scene. Yeah, I think that's a funny thing. Like all those control technologies around this, it's 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 a good time for telemetry in many ways. Because to say it like you can get better scores simply by the fact that you don't have grinders that dose relatively precisely, mm. either by mass or by time, and you've got machines that can control automatically cut off um, the flow of water at the correct, you know, flow setting, for example. Sure. Um, so that's probably aided greatly. But it's funny, you know. To be honest, it's it's one of the things I've always gone back to. You know, in terms of controlling flavor and controlling how coffee pours, it all comes back to the grind. I mean, that's really the primary control mechanism. Do what yeah. you want to all the machines. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the grinder has been recognised as the weakest link in the yeah. whole of the coffee making operation. Yeah, for sure. And rightly so. I yeah. think. Yeah, I think that's an issue. I, I would. It's funny you saying that because I think it's it's an issue, and I feel like it's it's the most sensitive part of the process. If you were to do a sensitivity analysis on all the parts of coffee making, you're absolutely right. That is the thing that seems to matter the most. Small changes in that have big consequences in terms of. Yes, what including you, what humidity. You yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Put it in a nitrogen box, I say. <laughs> yeah, it's um, definitely when I go through training and, and I'm training new baristas and all sorts of stuff, everyone gets, their eyes automatically get drawn to the espresso machine because yeah. that's where your yeah. coffee comes from. Yeah. Um, but definitely the overlooked uh, beast in the room is always the grinder and how well you can actually work with coffee grind yeah. um, to try and get your end result working yeah. the way you need it to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's funny, you know, it's, you know, you almost think that the, the, the silver bullet for the whole thing would be a machine talking to a grinder. Um, basically, this is how far the shot's off, let's dial, the machine can then dial itself in, knowing what can happen with the grinder. And believe it or not, that technology does sort of exist already. I believe the Delacorte systems are quite a, a closed. Yeah, they, they had a setup with yeah. that back in my early Bristol career in franchise yep. chains. They actually were trialing yeah. that, that method. Yeah, they're, they're still making them. Apparently, they work fairly well. Mm. Um, but again, I think the problem with that is that it's a closed system. You have to buy Delacorte, Delacorte, Delacorte. If you don't yep. like the Delacorte grinder and or the machine, you have to locked you know, into the ecosystem. Correct. Yep. Correct. Yep. And that you know, maybe you like that. I actually haven't played around with that system all that much, but um, mm. you know, it's a, it's an interesting one. Um, yeah, I mean, being locked into a into an ecosystem definitely is probably a weakness to tele telemetry as far as yeah. the Delacorte systems. 
Um, well, even even the Supermatics, like in the Scanamat Top Brewer, um, the the Abyssus Cameo. I mean, mind you, it's different. They're completely closed systems. They yeah. sold as a unit. Yes. Um, you know, and they're super automatics, and most people don't use them in their in their espresso bars, espresso windows, you know, cafes. Right. Um, not just the expense, but also. Yeah. You know, it's. Well, I think it's, it, it comes back to, um, you know, the early days of where you actually wanted to provide a great uh, experience alongside your coffee. If it was just a machine, ATMs exist, vending machines exist, but mm. it's um, having Brista to be able to dial in the coffee and then have someone to chat to. It comes down to it. I think it comes down to flavor in the end. I was actually, yeah, I had to sure. sit down with a, a cafe yesterday, once I, which specifically on a roastery cafe. Um, and having a chat about how, how we implement telemetry systems inside Windows and just coming down to the fact that we can have recipes. Recipes are an approximation um, for taste. Um, even, you know, for example, even if I were at the back end of it, put like a $150,000 gas chromatography system at the back that did real-time analysis that told me precisely which chemicals were coming out, still doesn't tell me how it tastes. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, a person needs to tell you how it tastes. Yeah. Um, although there are some variability there, there, there is variability from person to person, even well, then. All aspects of food come down to flavour. Exactly. Yeah, don't they? Yeah. Exactly, and that's why Bristol will pretty much always mm. be necessary. Um, you can give a machine some numbers, and it will hit the numbers all the time, well, more or less all the time, but uh, mm. it won't tell you how it tastes. No, yeah. I'm sure the barista community would be very glad to hear that. No, <laughs> well, they should be. I mean, it's, it's the skill. It's, you can't, yeah. Yeah. People need to tell what people are going to taste. Yeah, when, when you put numbers to things, then you can make adjustments in order to seek mm. what, what you determine well, is the best that's coffee. It. And that's the good thing about having those numbers as reference points. Mm. Like, if you know that this is sort of where I'm trying to hit, it'll give you the ballpark that you want to hit. Yeah. Slight tweaks to that. Like, a really good cafe will still probably make slight tweaks, and I know that you know, two years ago probably we were like, oh, no, that's mm. what we want to say. But it's, you know, they have to. They yeah. want to get the exact flavour they really want to get out of it. That's what they... In the um, looking looking towards uh, you know coffee leading into telemetry now, mm. um, Julian, what what determined what was a good or a great coffee in times past? I mean, what what was the way that baristas or even well, I'll come, I'll come to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. First, I think we have to go back a little bit in time. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's well known that an Englishman invented the theodolite in about fifteen fifty, mm. um, but uh, you know, going forward a few hundred years, we, we come to uh, the famous Belton and Watt. Now, we've previously discussed the Belton and Watt steam engine, which uh, yep. is still powered up in the uh, what is what is still the powerhouse museum in the city. Uh, the, the original engine, uh, of which there are only two working models in the world. Wow. One in one in London, one in Sydney. Oh wow! Um, and uh, and and. They are, in a sense, the beginnings of, of uh, what we might refer to as telemetry, because if you Google telemetry, that's the first thing that comes up. Yep, that's true. Uh, and uh, that's 1785 we're talking about here, um, and that is the actual date of the engine uh, manufacturer of the one that's sitting in the Powerhouse mm. Museum. Mm. Wow. Um, and that led to, uh, to the rotating steam engine, as opposed to uh, various other kinds of, of, of steam performances, and that in turn led to the introduction of steam-powered canal barges mm. on the canals that were just being made uh, and built and so on in the late 18th century uh, in, in England in particular and also in parts of Europe, France, mm -hmm. etc., mm. uh, allowing the, uh, the use of steam power to replace horses yep. uh, and, and manpower, yep. legging it through tunnels and all that mm. kind of thing which was a significant advance, as significant in a way for a short period of time as the motor car, mm. uh, because so much was transported by water. Yeah. Yeah. 
so that's a very early uh, indication of, of, uh, of telemetry and that in turn led to the necessity for the advanced uh, type of theodolite known as a micrometer, not a mm. micrometer, mm. but a micrometer for the measurement of all the aspects of uh, uh, geology and so on yep. to do with canal building, yep. uh, distances and, uh, and gradients and all mm. that kind of thing. So uh, it, it has a bearing even today yeah. um, uh, you know, with, with, the, with the, that f facet of, uh, of measurement. Yeah, that's right. I think that's that's the key point. We talked about in the beginning. We talked about defining what telemetry is, and we said it's basically the collection of data. It, it's a collection. It's a collection. It's the well, I guess it's the the measurement and then the transmission of data, like telemetry. You know, metry being yes. measure, teller being basically communication. Yes. Um, so you know, in this sense, I think the steam engine. I think there was a mercury gauge measuring pressure. I think that was what they considered telemetry at that point. Yeah, that's right. Um, there, there were some inbuilt yeah. advances. Yes. Mm. Uh, which, which allows us to refer yes. to that system in terms of telemetry. Yes, yeah, correct. Right. So I think that's the other thing. So and arguably, you know, when you think about back to espresso machines and, and coffee technology, really, telemetry's kind of already been, kind of been there for a while. It's just the manual form of telemetry. Yeah. Um, so for example, there is a pressure gauge inside of a machine. There'll be a temperature. You know, there'll be a thermometer of, of sorts. Not of sorts. There will be a thermometer inside there. And then, you know, in, in some instances, you know, it's automatically controlled by a PID controller or whatever it happens to be. Um, but you know, back in the old days, I suppose, when espresso machines were in their infancy, I imagine they'd be, they have a big fat boiler down the bottom of there and letting off steam pressure. Absolutely, <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, coming back to your, your question about yeah. what, you know, what makes a great coffee, mm. I, I think I'd have to say that, that back in the day, and maybe we go back 40 or 50 years, which I can easily do, uh, it was a question of somebody with, with, with years of skill yes. being able to judge by eye the amount of coffee, the, uh, the tamping, etc., etc., yeah. in espresso terms, yeah. uh, as opposed to other methods of coffee making. Uh, and in the end, I suppose, hoping for the best. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So based around more visual cues. So it, it was hit and miss. Yeah. But the more expert you are, you were, the more hits you got. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. uh, and I think that's when that's that's kind of like third wave where artistry of coffee. I don't know. Well, maybe I mean you could say that for the last fifty years have been maybe maybe Italy was ahead of the ahead of the game um, a little while ago. But in terms of moving from third wave to fourth wave, if we want to think about the categorization of the development, I suppose, of coffee over the last while. Third wave was kind of the artistry and looking at by eye and judging it and making sure it was especially the art of coffee being perfected. Yes. And then we move into more of a, a scientific, call it a digital age perhaps. I think we weren't really in a digital age, but certainly using gauges, using precision, using numbers to sort of gauge precisely how good the coffee was and using that, that was kind of early telemetry. Whereas now, you know, I suppose you could call it a digital, the digital age of coffee, maybe we're yeah. entering that. Um, where data, we can actually have it beam back to effectively a centralised location where people can monitor it real time. Mm. Um, and then if they need to you know, help assist someone who's on the tool, so to speak, um, you know, that being possible. That's not the only way to use it, of course. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, that's kind of the way, in some ways, telemetry probably has evolved in coffee, thinking about how it's been done in the past, as Julian referenced. Yeah. yeah. When, when going back in time, when you're looking at the visual cues for coffee, um, what were you mostly focused on? Grind profile? Were you focused on how the shot actually flowed from the spouts into the cup? What were your visual no, cues? I think, the, I think the short answer to that is you observe the spouts on the, on the yes. holder and you determine the rate of flow from that yeah. and you would then, then know whether or not you'd got the measurement correct. Yeah. Uh, everything else uh, you know, preceded that. Yeah, okay, I right. suppose also the colour of what's coming out of those spouts as well over time. And knowing, the and knowing and when to stop because yes. the more water you add, yes. the, the, the worse the coffee gets. Yes. Yeah. Because a concentration of coffee is the secret, yeah. uh, certainly in espresso. Yeah. Uh, 
um, to the addition of milk. Yeah. Uh, which, which in a sense also weakens it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's always a trade-off. So a strong, it's, it's, dark, yeah. black liquor, hot as hell, sweet as night. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, sweet as something rather, and, and sweet as a lady's kiss. Uh, uh, these, uh, th these were some of the uh, attributes that uh, one sought yeah. Yeah, right. in the old days for coffee. Yeah, okay, cool. That's pretty, that's wild, that's wild. It's, um... With telemetry, how does this shape then future cafe baristas? We're looking probably at the idea of personal improvement, um, yeah. and ideally, I mean, that espresso technically would become better if you've got a reference points and you can consistently create great coffee. What does this mean for our future cafe baristas? Right. Well, it's a funny one, isn't it? It's, it's still going to be a mixture of, of art and science, as far as I'm concerned. I think even, you know, I shouldn't say it's even listening to, the way, to what Julian's talking about. You know, the human brain's able to process a vast array of different qualities, mm. you know, real time. So we look at, if we look about that reference, looking at the spout, seeing what's what's coming out, um, and that rhymes. Um, you know, we're <laughs> taking into account the color, the viscosity, the time, um, how it's accelerating, how it's slowing down, how long it took before it actually extracted after you pushed the button or pulled the lever. Yep. That's a vast array of information, and it all goes into the comp computer known as you know in the brain. Um, to determine whether or not the thing's going to taste good or not, and then yeah. years of practice determine you know whether they're in the right parameter for no machine. Well, there are plenty of machines that could do each and every single one of those things, but then you're probably going to have an espresso machine that costs nearly a million dollars. And that doesn't even even that doesn't take into account the quality of the bean, the roasting, etc., yeah. etc. Et yeah. And again, someone's looking at that by eye, saying, "Are the beans broken? How large are the beans? How dark are they? How oily are they? All those things mm. that go, in, go on in the brain." And sometimes it's people don't even know that's what we're looking for, but those are some of the properties that. I would say are a part of the extraction process that influence the taste at the end that we're taking into account. Mm. The machine in this case, all we're looking at with the telemetry system that we're putting in, you know, is did it hit the right time? And that <laughs> that's ridiculously rudimentary compared to all the other things that we're putting in there. But yes. at the same time, it's still an indicator. And it's a precise indicator. The brain can take into all these things in, in some way and probably come out to within a let's be honest, we've done tests. The human yeah. brain can do it within about 10, 20 percent. From what we've been able to tell, you know, in terms of espresso control, for example, of tamp, pressure, or in terms of grind size, you know, by eye, you can get it about that range. Using computer-assisted technology, you can get closer to one to five percent. That's yeah, what they're designed for. You want to hit a number, you'll hit a number the same time every time. Mm. Um, so, how can baristas use this? Look, it's certainly even just simply measuring time is one thing that's done accurately in the entire process that you don't have to take into account. Yep. Right. So. Having data to show how close within a certain fraction are you to within that time, you can then go away and say, okay, well, if I know I'm too fast or I'm too slow now, I can play with my grind setting to try and get it close to 100%. And each barista's got their way. And in fact, if you've got multiple baristas working on the same machine, right, and there's a score that needs to be had, the human brain's also a funny one, right? We also, we also love a bit of competition. And I think the idea of getting as close as you can, you know, beating, I shouldn't say just so much beating the other person, or some people definitely think that way. You know, whether it's, where, and actually, to be honest, whether it's the drive of trying to beat someone else or simply do as best Personal as you can, yeah. basically making a game of it, mm. um, I see that as making a, a, a job that can be very repetitive and sometimes mind-numbing fun. Yep. And I think telemetry can be used in that kind of way. How close did I get to the perfect score? Yeah. Um, I think that's quite good. I, you know, I think that's really a rather interesting way of using telemetry-type systems. And more than that, I think it doesn't just help you yourself improve it helps everyone improve yeah right if there's something to be had there's a prize to be had if there's something to if there's victory to be claimed you know how much better you know people will be trained faster i mm. see that being a result so people coming new into coffee saying this is how we control our thing here's the number we need to hit it's simple it's easy it's one thing you need to try and hit 
you know, there's one thing you need to change to try and get there, you know, let them go. And I think, I think you'll find an accelerated learning curve for new staff. And I think you'll find your existing staff and new staff getting a better quality outcome of the coffee. And yeah. yes, it's just a number and there are more things that go into it than just the time, yeah. as we've just discussed. Um, no, I mean, this is a question I, to which I do not know the answer. And that, <laughs> the question is this, is, is there a thought uh, in the coffee community that uh, machines are becoming simply too complicated, mm -hmm. too complex, yeah, yeah. too difficult to operate, uh, etc. Maybe, yes well, or yeah, no? Yeah, I mean, with, with some machines, it's interesting because you can... The beautiful thing about technology is it quite often will give you a lot more options or variables that you can play with. And especially for those that are interested in coffee, are chasing how many factors they can change and what does that end up doing to your end result. That's really an interesting thing. But then the trade-off again is when you have your standard barista coming into your shop who's just doing it as a side job, they just want to make a cup of coffee, earn their pay, go home. Mm -hmm. And if you give that person way too many variables to control, it can end up getting from bad to worse sure. real quick. But it's also, or yeah, a lot of it's overlooked. There's, there's the other thing is also some machines are starting to try and control every little bit of the coffee mm. uh, and sometimes to its detriment. And I know we've met this, I've probably had this many times before and it almost seemed like I hate the machine, don't hate the machine. Very clever technology for, you know, looking at channeling control. Yeah. There's no way a machine can control channeling. We mm. can, it can change your flow rate, but channeling will still occur. Yeah. Right. So it may look like you pulled a perfect coffee, but the result will be a bad tasting coffee. So yeah. that's this is well, where the water is finding the easiest correct. way through the ground. Yeah. Uh, correct. Yeah. yeah. So when, when, a, when a yeah, exactly, it finds a hole and all the water starts rushing through that hole, you'll get an under extracted coffee, very yeah. weak and under extracted coffee. Mm. Um, and you know you won't know it. No barista will know it because it's you know the number. If the numbers are to be believed, you poured a perfect coffee. Yeah. But you taste it. You think that's mm. just absolutely dreadful. And that's. Very, and it's amazing control to be able to do that. So they put a flow yeah. meter inside there, additional to a pump. They've been able to do it so that it, it, you know, as I said, the technology is amazing to be able to do that, but the result is reverse of what you want it to so be. So this is why the barista, if he has the yeah. expertise, not only observes the flow rate yes. of the actual coffee through the group handle, yes. but also then looks at the result in the cup yes. before applying milk or whatever, yes. see whether the appropriate level of crema is there, yeah. etc., and indeed maybe the actual color of the brew. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. All those things should go into it. And that's exactly right. So a machine, And the reality is most people that have a machine of that type will probably have baristas of that type too. Mm, yeah. That's a very expensive type technology machine. And for example, at Seven Miles, it's the kind of you know, where we supply machines. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of machine we'd give to probably a, a top-end client yeah. who would start using some of the functionalities of those machines. Like pressure profiling, temperature profiling, all those yeah. kinds of things. Someone whose mission with. was it to yeah. serve the best coffee that was their primary aim yeah. Yeah. Um, above other, other business aspects that yeah. you might take. Yeah. Definitely very, very interesting stuff. Mm. Which, what does that then mean for the standard consumer? It's um, obviously with better coffee, with more consistency. We're assuming that the one, would the consumer be better informed as to what is a good cup of coffee if they're consistently getting it? Do you think that might be an overflow? I think it's funny with the consumer, right? Because more things go in a consumer's mind than precisely what the numbers are. In fact, many, many sure. consumers have no idea about the numbers. Yeah. Um, nor necessarily should they. That's why they're going to a it's cafe. It's always based on time, quality, consistency. Yeah. Well, what I've... What I believe is the case with many consumers is they'll go to a cafe because they like a very specific barista. And they like that barista partly because I think they make the coffee that I like. They listen to me. and they But I think it's probably more in the fact that they listen to them. Yeah. The relationship they have with a very specific person will influence whether or not they think it's the best coffee or not. Yeah. You know, so sure. it's, not, it's not even just the flavor. Yeah. Like, for example, I go to a specific cafe. I think, you know, if I were to objectively measure the flavor, and I can only say this because I know in the coffee industry, I'd probably say it's not as good as some of the other ones in the local area. But... The relationship that I have with a couple of the people there 
Yeah, um, they may be friendly people. They yeah, actually exactly. like them. Yeah, so, I actually enjoy uh, going to the cafe. You're, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're, you're able to give a certain uh, you know, level of uh, yeah. forgiveness yeah. Uh, in terms of yeah. the coffee <laughs> yeah. because of other factors in the cafe itself. Well, exactly. I mean, the thing is, I could say that this would be great. You know, this, these kind of technologies are great because they enable consistency between different baristas. So maybe no one, maybe people will no longer need to have a favorite barista. Like if it's Josh making the coffee rather than Adam. Like I always love Josh's coffee more than Adam's. Um, I want to make sure Josh serves me my coffee. If they, you know, you could say objectively maybe they're the same now. Yeah. But they may still like Josh because he's a nicer guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it's a, yes. I, I. So what does it mean for the consumer? I think manifold. Yeah. I think you know. I think in technologies that have been that have technology enabled and have, you know, consistency built in. Yeah. Hopefully everyone's making the same great coffee. I think yeah. for an operator, that's that's amazing to be able to push that out. Yeah. Sure. I think people will still have their favourites. Hmm. Friend, that's not always based on a. No, it can it can be based on the aesthetics of a cafe. Oh, exactly right. It's um. So I was with my orange cup. Yeah. <laughs> tastes better than some orange yeah. cup. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It tastes better than blue driven. cup, apparently. Yeah. For sure. Subject for sure. Another, another. Well, what's podcast, what's the potential barriers to this technology? Um, is it easy for anyone to sort of get a hold of flow and then just whack it inside the system, or is there? Is there certain requirements needed to input yep. this new telemetry technology? Well, at the moment, this particular technology we're applying, we're um, we're putting in, it basically requires a flow meter. Um, okay. Well, if you've got a flow meter, you can use this technology. Cool. Uh, I mean, there are some there are some cable issues, and, and yes, you can. By the way, you can. You don't have to. I shouldn't say this so much, but it, you don't have to work through seven miles. I mean, you can you can get it through other suppliers and suppliers. sources. Suppliers. I mean, you can get it directly from Flow. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not cheap. Yeah. Um, but we believe the technology has got huge value for for us and for yeah. our our customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've, you know, we've we offer it now. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, it's it's not so hard for them to. It's not so hard to get a hold of. I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah well, where does the flow meter fit into this whole technology aspect of brewing coffee? Oh well, in terms of this, well, that's where the control happens. So the way that the flow technology works effectively is they is tee it, off. Is this a, cable. a separate piece of, uh, yeah. of equipment? It's basically a cable that runs into a modem or a little box, the right. black box. Let's call it a black box. It's a white box. Oh, so it's this is box. telling you something yeah, rather than physically right. doing this, it. This is taking the, right. the signal basically from your flow meter, right? And then it beams it back to you with, you know, so how much how okay. many pulses happen in a certain amount of time? Yeah, that can be translated directly to your recipe, right? And that's where it then does some computations in the background and tells you what's happened. Very, very, it's, I shouldn't say it's simple, it's not simple, but it's, you know, it's in principle simple. Yeah. Just tee off uh, an electrical signal from your machine, beam it back to home base with a few computations in the middle, and hey, presto, we have every single shot and the flow profile of every single shot you've ever made mm. um, and are making real time. Yeah. Um, and you can do adjustments on the fly based on the real time feedback, and then also historically we can tell various other things. And the, yeah. this is the difference between getting the sack and keeping your job. <laughs> well, yeah. I think a big thing, you know, in telemetry, and it's one of the things that's often overlooked, like data is a wonderful thing. And I think, you know, sometimes, you know, we, I think we as Seven Miles, we're, we're doing an awful lot of things sort of in the data space at the moment. We actually have an awful lot of data. But it's one thing to have the data. It's another thing to know what to do with it. Um, flow is simple. Indeed, yes. Flow is simple because it tells you how far off a recipe you are, so you can change it to how far off a recipe you are or the baristas are. And so then you'll know roughly how to change it back to get it right. That's a very powerful use of the tool. But there's other things it could tell you. So how many shots did I do in a day? How many shots did I do in a season? How many shots did I do in a year? And how did that change across the year? You know, I can determine how many kilos I sold and what times of day were more popular and all that. You can look back on the data and instead of having to pay attention to it real time, you know, get a gut feel to it, you know, for it, so to speak. You can look on it and start being a bit more proactive with how you do your business. So, for example, I knew I know in April I do 200 more shots. 
that I regularly do. That's going to be another two kilos of coffee that I require across the month of April. Therefore, I'll know how much I should be ordering in April, how much I should be ordering in May. How much, you know, that's one other use of the Yeah, the, the possibilities of extrapolating so yeah. much different sources of yeah, information exactly. just from a flow I mean, that's why there are data analysts out there. I mean, that's what they do. They look at all the data out there and they try yeah. and come up, they find trends. I and mean, that's how people, yeah. that's why these mega buildings, you know, people that work in those mega buildings in the city work, they yeah. hire heaps of analysts to go out there and say, give me all the data you can, do some trends. Where should I buy? What should I sell? Yeah. Um, when, how much? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we're doing it in coffee now, and it's in our case, we're doing it to try and get great flavor out of there. But there are many yeah. other things that we can use the data for, and we're still working through the possibilities. Right. With, with retrieving data, I mean, um, with who, who has access to this data? Is this real-time straight to the barista, or is this the cafe owner? Is it How far up the line does this go? All the above. All the above. All the above. So, I mean, basically, whoever wants access to the data, so the way we're rolling it out, everyone who wants access to the data, they can have it. Yeah. Um, we're, we're generating reports. Um, we're continuing to generate reports based on some of the findings. So not just, so firstly, real time. Yes, you can, the barista can see that last shot, how mm. close to recipe they were. And in fact, the last few shots, how close to recipe they were per group head. Yeah, right. Um, so they can do a real time control. Yeah, but back end, say the manager or the head barista or the op, you know, whoever it happens to be, yeah. they can go at the end of the day or during the course of the day, see how their coffee's flowing. For example, yeah. we know that at 10 a.m. there's a trouble point on almost every single cafe about 10 a.m. Yeah. Um, flow profiles change. We can see that across, we've got in about 15 cafes at this point. Yeah, right. um, we're, we're, and so obviously as a roaster, because we're, we're paying for it, we've bought the technology, we can see the data there too. Um, we're using it because we have a, a field of you know, coffee professionals. We use it to try and help them get back to a flavor that they would like to where we can. Mm, yeah. But try, you know, it's, again, it's an interesting one because we've got access to the data. How we... Yeah, it would open up a new can of worms in privacy. It does. Well, you know, we, we need to be very careful. You know, it's, it's their business. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we also know how to make a really good coffee. They've come to us for coffee knowledge yeah. and coffee experience. Yeah. So being able to, to help facilitate them make better coffee. Yeah. Um, and having that transparent conversation as to is. what Yeah, and that's the nice thing. We can all open up the same data. This is the data you're seeing. This is the exact same data. And that's in yeah. some ways, it's, it's, it's powerful yeah. for that reason because there is transparency. It's not, there's no hiding behind. Yeah. We're both looking at the same spreadsheet here. We, yeah. I can see your data. You can see your data. We can see that here's some issues. But, you know, that's the thing. It's, it becomes a helpful thing. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not, yeah. So that's, you know, but the, again, as I said, what we're working through in our back end is additional functionality from the data that we can help the cafes, you know, arm them up yeah. to help them make sensible business decisions. To make it more usable. Yeah, yeah. business decisions as well as quality decisions. Um, yeah. You know, also that's the other thing. You're talking about a, a, if there's a QC issue, for example, with our coffee. Yeah. You know, oh, look, it turns out that every cafe that uses, for example, Bellaroma coffee, yeah. um, a Bellaroma in a very specific blend, it's like, oh, every single person seems to be experiencing Uberfast shock. Yeah. Is there something wrong with the roast? A lot of people complain about the roast, but normally it's an isolated incident. But if yeah. we're actually observing a, call it a worldwide problem, <laughs> I mean, we have very tight quality, and Julian is the man who yeah, tasting every the coffee. quality of these coffees. Um, well, it is an essential aspect uh, to a well-run well coffee roasting operation, yeah, is yeah. that you actually examine the, uh, the quality of the coffee as it's going through yeah. the plant, and indeed before it leaves to uh, uh, yeah. go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing, we can also discuss real time what they're having. Saying, oh, my coffee's running fast, must be the roast. First of all, we can look back on our own reports and say, mm -hmm. okay, look, we'll look from what we've found. The color is about in profile, the flavor is about in profile. Julian tastes every single coffee that we roast. Yeah. Um, not, no, it doesn't literally put the beans in, spit it out, and send it back to you. It's collecting yeah, representative samples and making the coffee. Oh, wow. <laughs> you, you may think that. Sorry, I'm let's wait tears are in this coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, um, yeah. you know, we. 
we can we can see that remotely as well. So being able to do remote diagnosis to help customers get a result faster, mm. I think that's incredibly powerful, yeah. and I think that separates. And I think hopefully a lot of other people jump on this kind of technology. Soon. Definitely, I, th- I think a lot pulling a lot of information from your coffee machine from real time telemetry then opens up a lot of opportunity to improve one personal skills yes. to their own serving of uh, of coffee in whatever form that may be. Yes. I mean that that also opens up. Uh, potentially changing recipes of the drinks as we know it yeah. having a coffee that's designated around blacks having a coffee designated around milk yeah. pulling different recipes that way using the same coffee and using the telemetry well that's to actually that a very time. important aspect of the whole coffee operation Brilliant. is finding mm. the right coffee for the right end product yeah yeah, yeah. and then also Proof. working that out with dilution of whether you add water add milk what size are your cups there's so much opportunity here built from the back end of telemetry yeah it's yeah, I don't think the telemetry system is nearly at that kind of point yet. No. But again, that's the thing. Where you have to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, I think potential opportunity coming out of this technology is incredible. You know, it's a funny one, right? It, I, it comes back to flavor again as well. Like mm. all those opportunities you describe. I mean, numbers can still tell you certain things about it. And maybe that's the thing. At, at one point, maybe have a recipe for every single coffee, for every single specific ingredient. And there could be a feedback loop where, mm. you know, you actually say, I want a long black today. And the, the, the group head re readjust itself so there's a certain flow and a certain time yeah. with a certain coffee yeah uh, you know maybe you know that's that's insane that all sounds fairly exhausting to me it does oh very much so I mean, I'm not working on that <laughs> oh, I can't boys let's get that yeah I'm just saying I mean, practically how it may, may work but you know in the meantime I think simply looking at a number and, and gamifying the system as it is you know there's a lot we can tell already from what we've yeah. got yeah um, and I think in some ways perhaps as it maybe always should be you know the flavour comes first and then using the number after you've got the flavour, then using the number to try and keep consistency to that flavour. Yeah. I think yeah. That's, that's the order it needs to come from. Flavour first. Absolutely. You know, numbers secondary. It's got to be built from customer perspective. Yeah. 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 All, all the time. Yeah. Everything that we do in coffee definitely has mm. to be built from customer per, uh, perception. Yeah. Are they getting coffee in a timely manner? Does it always taste fantastic? Yeah. And is the best flavour? Yeah. 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 yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, that was that was a fantastic conversation. Cool. Uh, we blasted through all my questions. Have we got any um, interesting points to add? Or no, I surprised myself with the amount of erudition that uh, lies within this old body. But there we go. Julia, we never <laughs> underestimate your <laughs> no, contributions. No, this, this is great. Yeah, fantastic, Julia. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for our listeners for listening in um, and checking in and seeing all about telemetry. Um, we will be back as soon as we can with our next topic. I won't tell you what it is. I'm still working on those questions there. (laughs) But uh, here, you've got the coffee guy. My name is Josh, and we've got our Dr. Adam Carr. And our coffee guru himself, Julian Britton. Most enjoyable as always. Thank you. Mm. And thank you very much, guys. We'll catch you next time. Have a fantastic week. Bye. Bye. Bye.